Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping you busy moms end mealtime overwhelm through meal planning and meal prep. This is episode 15, Mastering Mealtime Mindset with Ahuva Magder. I'm so excited to introduce you to my very first guest on the Planned, Prepped, and Productive podcast, and her name is Ahuva Magner Herkshop. She is a registered dietitian and mother of almost three-year-old twins. Uh, she runs a pediatric-based nutrition practice in Toronto. Her focus is working with families to reduce mealtime stress, support positive family mealtimes, and to support mothers in reducing the mental load of feeding their families. Ahuva believes in the power of a successful family meal, but that as busy moms, giving our family that nourishing meal should only take so much out of us. We'll talk more about where you can find her uh, as we get into the episode. Ahuva and I connected on Instagram a few months back and I really resonated with her message. So I'm really excited to share what she has to say with you today. So let's jump right into that interview. Welcome everyone. And I want to say a big welcome to Ahuva, who um, her Instagram handle is AhuvaRD, and she is my special guest today, um, who is all about uh, ending overwhelm for moms. So I know that you guys will be so excited to meet her. So welcome, Ahuva. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that you've agreed to be on the podcast. So can you go ahead and start off by just telling a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Definitely. So as you said, I'm Ahuva. I'm a registered dietitian with a you know brick and mortar uh, pediatric based practice in Toronto, focusing on um, I'm a, reg- a, a registered dietitian in Toronto, I should say, um, focusing on reducing picky eating, addressing mealtime stress, supporting families through introducing um, solids and managing food allergies, and as well, I'm an online course creator and support parents in in fixing their meal times and just creating successful meal times and reducing, as you said, the mental load that moms are carrying when it comes to meal time because that's that's a real thing. I love that. And I love that focus that you've chosen as a dietitian. I think so many of us picture dietitians, you know, telling us exactly what to eat or dieting, etc. Mm-hmm. So I love that your focus is more on kind of that relationship that moms have with the kitchen and with their families. So I'm so excited to hear more about your message and more about what you have to say. So um, I'm going to jump right in. So what motivated you? You said you have a private practice there. What motivated you to kind of jump into course creation and um, specifically helping moms with their mealtime mindset? It's an excellent question because um, if you asked me before I started practicing, I always told myself I would never get into pediatrics. I didn't want to work with families. I just wasn't interested in it. Um, I don't know where that really came from. I just sort of decided that. And I was in a totally different area of practice before I had my my children. But I was working at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto doing clinical research in food allergy. And that was really the first place that I was exposed to the stresses that that moms, I, I would say, I'll say parents, but really even in the 21st century that moms experience in struggling to feed their kids when they say like, hey, you know, I am supposed to be feeding my child a balanced diet, but they can't have this list of, of you know, 30 things. What do I do? Um, and then after having my kids and sort of, you know, having peers and colleagues and all of those kind of things who were introducing, who were introducing solids to their children and you know, feeling the pressures there. And am I doing this right? And am I doing this right? And am I, you know, breastfeeding my baby and bottle feeding my baby and all these questions that I kept on hearing really 
um, resonated so strongly with me that this wasn't, you know, second nature to, to moms as we, so many of us think that it just should be where, right. When we have kids, we're like, we should know how to do this. It's, it's <laughs> Absolutely. just feeding them. Like, what's the big deal? Um, and really, you know, knowing the, the pressures that I felt as a new mother to, to sort of prove that I was, you know, had it all together or that I was a competent mother really. And mealtime is a huge part of that for so many parents. Because from what I see so often in my clinical practice, it's the last lasting impression that parents have of the day, right? Especially your dinner time, right? If it doesn't go well, that's normally the last thing that's happening before your kids are going to bed at night. And so many moms that I was hearing were just feeling really, really awful every single day and almost like failures every single day because of their stressful mealtime, because you know, they were multi-million dollar, you know, CEOs or investment bankers who were like dealing with more money in a day than most people can imagine in a year. And they couldn't figure out what to get on the table for dinner. So true. I love that. Um, especially love just this idea of kind of this motherhood that should be intuitive. And I just remember my first child, you know, spending copious amounts of time on Google, like, is this normal? Is this normal? What do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do that? And just like you said, this thing that you you expect to be intuitive, that's totally, totally not. Um, And mealtime is just one of those things. And if we can kind of master that mealtime and focus on those other things, that would be super helpful. So I love, I love your message. And Love your motivation behind that. So you kind of started getting into this as you were talking about your private practice, but what is the number one mealtime complaint that you hear from your audience on Instagram and even in your private practice? So difficult because there's so many things that I hear (laughs) all the time. Um, One of the biggest struggles that a lot of parents have is feeling like they're making 10 different meals for the entire family, especially, you know, if you're a family of um, you know, two, three, four children feeling like you're catering to everyone and and not knowing yep. how to stop that, but <laughs> also have everyone fed at the end of the day is a huge one. And just really a lot of overwhelm in terms of knowing what their kids even need. Yeah, right? a lot for of, sure. A lot of parents feel pressured to give their children what they need until they're like, wait a minute, I don't even know what that is. Right. And that's yeah. a big one. Absolutely. So, um, going back to that first complaint that you had, um, that you mentioned, do you have any tips for overcoming that feeling? Of everyone eating something different? Yes, absolutely. So, it's an excellent question. Um, I think that it is important for parents, and I talk about this all the time, that we all, every you know member of their family has their favorites respected. Just remembering that doesn't have to happen on every single night, right? So it's okay if I have whatever's my favorite dish um, that we have on Tuesday night, and maybe it's, you know, what my husband prefers on Wednesday, even if that's not my favorite. Um, We're just remembering that I think that, you know, a lot of times as moms, we get overwhelmed in every meal has to be this amazing thing for our kids. And sometimes it's okay if it's maybe not everyone's favorite um, every single night. Um, As a very easy you know, what can I do tomorrow tip for that one? I always love the idea of make your own or like making, you know, make your own pizza or make your own burrito bowl or make your own rice bowl because those kind of things 
open up so many options for families, especially if, you know, there's one child who doesn't like cucumbers and there's another one who only loves rice and all of those things where everyone can pick the things that they prefer. Um, so trying to, to be, we call it, um, in, in just, just sort of like a dietitian slogan, but it's called considerate, not catering. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, just the idea of making every meal sort of inclusive, but not, um, you know, catering to one child or every single child, every meal. I love that. And I love that idea because I think a lot of us moms probably fall kind of in different areas on the spectrum. And I feel like I actually tend to maybe be more of the like, well, you don't like it. That's fine. Don't eat it. You can eat a breakfast. And yeah, totally. <laughs> and that's, and that's maybe not ideal for me either, but I can absolutely take their likes and dislikes into mm-hmm. consideration while still pleasing the family as a whole. So I really, I really like that a lot. I also love, um, and recommend the build your own style meals yeah. to, um, those that I work with as well. Um, and even if you are creating a meal that is not, something you would consider to be a build your own when I'm serving kids. If it's a pasta, suddenly I'm purposely leaving out the meatballs, purposely leaving out the peppers and just, they can put it all together themselves. Even though typically that's not how I would prepare that dish. You can change whatever meals that you're used to preparing to be served in that way. Totally. Like I, I tell parents all the time as well. It's also such a great learning opportunity, especially if you're eating with your children is, you know, sometimes things like, a chicken stir fry, right? Not every mm-hmm. child likes um, mixed foods when they're younger. It's one of the most common things that I hear again, you know, my child won't eat anything mixed. So, you know, you can put a piece of broccoli on your child's plate and a piece of chicken on your child's plate and a little bit of rice, and you can show them your, you know, mixed bowl and just make clear to them without, you know, pressuring them to, to try it mixed, just saying like, look how fun you have broccoli and I have broccoli. Uh-huh. And it's just mixed with the rice. Yep. Yeah, I really like that. And I think that's a really good tip for moms out there trying to um, make a meal that's all inclusive. And I do agree that that can be a really stressful part of mealtime for sure. So many moms in my audience have also expressed concern about picky eating. We just talked about one way that you can combat picky eating. Do you have any other tips, particularly from a dietitian perspective of how we should handle picky eating? an excellent question and you know it's definitely it's something that I work with you know day in and day out um and so there are you know a couple of things that parents can always think about when they're wondering um you know how to to approach the picky your you know picky eater um number one tip is only ever call them a picky eater away from them so never Yes, I'm so bad at that. <laughs> you know, it's hard, but the the idea being that when we call our kids picky, it just reinforces the behavior, right? So kids will often live up to the expectations um, that we place on them. And sometimes when we're calling p- kids picky, it reinforces the idea that they don't eat things because they're picky or they're like, oh, I don't have to try that because I'm a picky eater. And it almost... Um, reduces the likelihood they'll ever try something in the future because they already have this idea in their head. Um, so not calling them picky in front of them is one thing that I always love for parents to, to try and focus on. Um, number two is don't make decisions for your kids about what they're not going to eat because they will, you know, as anyone who has a picky eater will tell you, they will very clearly let you know, right? So, so often (laughs) I hear parents who are like, well, I don't put that on their plate because there's no way they're going to eat that. Right. 
And very often with kids, it takes 10, 15, 20 exposures to a food before they might even be willing to try it. Right. I'll give you an example. I made like a, and this is, this is a silly example because my kids know this food, but I made a pumpkin loaf the earlier in the week. And I started to my kids one day and they were like, Oh, gross. What is this? And they've eaten it 16 million (laughs) times before. And I served it for multiple snacks this week. And today was the first time that I served it. And they were like, gobbled it up and asked for more. Right. So even with foods that uh-huh. kids haven't seen in a while, sometimes it takes that you know time to get re-exposed to it. Um, and sometimes as parents, we just stop putting it on their plate. Right. Yeah. Do you have a suggestion for Because I tend to try to put it on their plates. If they don't want it on their plate, do you accept that? Or I, I tend to be like, you don't have to eat it, but I'm putting it there. If I don't know what the best. they're comfortable with that, that's great. Um, if they're comfortable with having it on their plate, that's fantastic. You can always encourage them to put it somewhere else. Sometimes you like to do something we call, mm-hmm. you know, a no thank you plate. Like if you want to put a separate plate, if you don't want it, you can move it here. Well, I'm going to leave it oh, there. Like it's your choice. You want to move it by all means, go for it. Um, so that's totally cool. But if they're, if they're happy and comfortable with their plates, with it being on their plates, I think that's always great as well, because it just sort of reinforces the idea again, that that's food for them also. Right. Um, uh-huh. The example that I always give is, and everyone laughs at this example, is that we you know when we, um, when we're adults, you would gladly eat a, a florid of broccoli, but when you're walking down the street, you don't pick a leaf off a tree. Right. And yeah. they look the exact same. And yet we all know uh-huh. that one is normal and one is very much not. <laughs> um, and that's only because uh-huh. of repeated exposure. So putting it on their plate has that repeated exposure, right? When they're 35, are they going to know what that food is? I love that. And I love, I love the idea that just educating our kids about what food is, is a step in and of its own. So the fact that my kid can name all the vegetables, even if they don't eat them. And I, and I think when it goes back to that mindset and that overwhelm that so many parents have, we set the bar for, I've either achieved something if my child's eaten the broccoli or I've like crushed and burned. Right. Whereas you're putting yeah. it on their plate and they see it and, and, you know, your kids can name all of the vegetables. That's a really great achievement. Like instead of beating ourselves up, we need to give ourselves a pat on the back for that. Right. Right. And recognize that we, as much as we want to, don't control our kids. So. It would be really nice <laughs> we can if just, just control everything that we said. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> In so many, so categories, many categories, but. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Um, I've been really excited to talk to you about this particular topic, um, and we've kind of started to delve into it, but, um, you've talked a lot about the guilt and stress over the types of meals that, um, we as parents are feeding our families. And you have also talked to me in private about redefining what a meal looks like. So can you start by sharing the kind of expectations you see from yeah. moms about what a meal should like look like. And then we'll dive into what, how you think we can totally. redefine those. So I think, um, you know, if you ever watched like leave it to beaver and all those, you know, old, old, old shows, um, where everyone comes, you know, walks in the door at five thirty, and dinner is on the table and everyone goes straight like <laughs> six o'clock on the nose, everyone sitting down. I think that in this day and age, so many moms do have that expectation that it's, you know, fresh, home cooked every night, um, 
you know, multiple courses and like, God forbid we buy anything from the grocery store. It's sort of the expectation (laughs) that we've set for ourselves. But the difference is that, you know, in the 21st century, there's so many dual income families, there's extracurriculars, there's like late work nights, there's all of these things that just don't make that a reality. And so many moms still feel like that's the bar that, that we need to achieve. Um, that if it's right. not home cooked, it doesn't count. If not everyone is at the table, it doesn't count. If, you know, all of these different things. And so we're sort of setting ourselves up for failure time and again, because that's not the reality for so many families. Um, so right. I always encourage parents to really, really dial it back to as basic as we can go. Right. So remembering that, um, if the grocery store does half the work and you do half the work, that's awesome. Right. So when I talk about meal planning, it's not always like, okay, we're going to spend six hours in the kitchen on a Sunday and like get the whole week cooked because that's also not a reality for some families. Um, and right. it's really just changing the mindset that if you haven't made the whole meal, you haven't, you know, you haven't done it, right? If the grocery store made the lasagna and you made the salad, that's fantastic, right? You, you've provided mm-hmm. a balanced meal for your family. Um, I don't know if in, in the U.S. they've changed the, um, the food pyramid. We, yes. we got so, rid of, the, of that. Um, and now it's just a plate. You just have like, yep. Right. So it's the same in the so, U S as well. And uh-huh. we got rid of like milk as a food group. And it's been, it's the first time that dietitians in Canada are ever actually using. We're, we're still behind okay. on that one. I hope that's coming, but so, yeah, now, <laughs> now milk is just in, in the protein rich foods category, but essentially all that that plate shows us is that in order to try and achieve a balanced meal, we're just looking at half a plate of fruits and vegetables, a quarter plate of healthy carbs and, um, you know, a quarter plate of protein rich foods, right? So that could for dinner be for your children, a bowl of cereal with fruit and maybe some vegetables on a platter somewhere. Right. Yes. I love that. And I, I'm always saying that same thing that for all of your meals, just think about that half fruits and vegetables, try and consider a protein. And that's really all you need, (laughs) all you need to think about to make a complete meal. It doesn't have to be a pot roast. It can be that simple. Um, but a lot of, a lot of moms see that as not good enough, right? Or if it was a fully balanced meal, like you picked up a rotisserie chicken and a thing of grilled vegetables and a thing of rice from the grocery store. And that does give you more of that, you know, traditional plate look. That's not good enough because it wasn't cooked from home. Um, so I think a lot of it is letting go of the expectations that we've put on ourselves. And the things that I always encourage, you know, parents to do is just really consider, even the stage of life that you're at, right? Like, where are you? Yes. What, is, what does your day look like? What are your, are your kids, kids who are going to go and do their homework when they come home? Or are they, you know, three-year-olds you're picking up from daycare who want to, you know, want to be with you the minute they come home and really taking that into account. Cause I think that's another area where, you know, we don't give ourselves enough credit. Yeah. And that's one thing that I like to talk about a lot is that there, that nutrition or health or, you know, creating this ideal family environment, whatever, that's only one of the many reasons we have to eat. Some of the others are survival, right? (laughs) Like, and if you're in a stage where you're eating for survival because you have a bunch of little kids, that's okay. And that's the season that you're in. That doesn't mean that that's forever. And you can 
bring yourself back eventually, but it's okay to be wherever you are. And I love too the idea that, you know, cold cereal can be balanced. And that's what I, I try to tell my moms all the time. I'm like, grilled cheese okay. counts on your meal oh, plan. Oh, Put oh, it on your oh, meal oh, plan. It so counts. Also, like a lot of parents <laughs> have the misconception that a meal plan has to be elaborate or new recipes, right? Or something they've yes. never had before. I am, and moms are shocked every time that I say this, but I always say like, if where you are in terms of getting your life organized and reducing your stress is you're going to plan out which restaurant you're going to um, order from on Uber Eats every night so that you <laughs> yes. like don't have to, it, it's not a constant like 5 PM what's for dinner. You already know, you know, we're getting from this restaurant. That's a great step for your family because it reduces your stress and really like, healthy mom, healthy family. Like there's, there's nothing else. Right. Yep. So, yes. And I, I completely agree. I try and say that, um, like fast food, convenience food, that's not the enemy here. The enemy is that drowning exactly. feeling that you have. So if it's six o'clock and it's, where are we going to eat? That's stressful, but planning in a takeout night, that's totally. great. You planned it in and you know what exactly. you're doing that night. So I think the important thing is just answering that what's for dinner question <laughs> It doesn't really matter what the answer is. Just answer it. Your kids just want to know. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Okay. So you gave us some great tips for kind of changing those expectations. Um, You also kind of explained this, um, what a complete meal looks like to you. Can you give us some tips for, you've given us some good dinner tips. Um, Would you just kind of translate those same tips to breakfast and lunches? Or do you have any specific tips for getting that done as well. The one thing that I always tell parents also is, especially if you're trying to, if you are a family who has been struggling with, you know, everyone eating different things at dinner and you're trying to really streamline that, um, thinking about where it actually matters. Right. So sometimes like parents also get stressed. Do I have to, everyone have to eat the same thing for lunch? And you know, what do I do about that? And school lunches and all of that kind of stuff. And school scheduling is a whole other other question. Um, but you know, remembering sort of how important is it in terms of variety and busy mornings to have, you know, different, a million yeah. different meals. Um, but also the fact that not everyone is always together at lunch, right? So that, so it doesn't really matter to me if I eat the exact same lunch as my three, like my kids, because we're not in the same place. Um, but I do yeah. often encourage parents to, um, and the easiest tool to do this, I always say is a staple 30 day calendar because you can use the seven days across and the five little like weeks to do breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, um, and just plan out a couple of breakfast options that you might want that you know, your kids might want to have. And a couple of lunch options that your kids might want to have because nobody has time in the morning to ask what do yeah. you want for lunch? Because that's going to open up the doors to like, well, I want a chocolate Danish. And like now, you know, you're having a 10 minute discussion with your child when you don't have time to do that in the morning about why they can't have a chocolate Danish. Um, so having like a list of, um, you know, known breakfast options, a list of known lunch options. And you can even say like, do you want X or Y tomorrow? And then at least you've streamlined your morning. Yes. I love that. And I actually just barely, um, I usually plan one lunch and one breakfast throughout the week. And then I vary my dinners, which helps a lot. But I just barely started with my daughter who is four. 
almost five and she's the one that I would label as a picky eater accidentally (laughs) (laughs) around other people. Um, But I I found that a lot of her pickiness kind of stems from a lack of control. So with her, I sat down and I said, let's pick some snacks Mm -hmm. together. Um, I kind of put my, my stamp of what a snack is so that she was able to choose appropriately And then we did the same thing. So now I just have a list and it's been such a stress reliever to not be thinking, you know, like when they ask for a snack, it's like, okay, what do we feed them? And then automatically she's going to go towards like the stuff I don't want her to eat. So now it's like, here it is. Here's your list. Which one of these four things do you want? So there's something that we call the division of responsibility when it comes to mealtime. And it's something that was coined by a dietitian in the 1980s. And essentially what it talks about in regards to especially picky eating and just raising intuitive eaters is um, what everyone's responsibilities are at mealtime, right? And so our responsibility as parents Uh is to decide when meals are going to be, where they're going to happen, how we're going to serve them, what's for, you know, what's for that meal, all of the, the important decisions that we like to pretend that we have, because ultimately our kids' decisions at mealtime is if they're going to eat and if they're going to eat, how much they're going to eat, right? And so yep. I love the example that you're giving as one way to really give kids control within the division of responsibility, right? Because if you're giving two choices and you are totally cool with either one, like why, every child loves control, right? Every child right. likes to make decisions and letting them do that um, to them is amazing, right? Like as a two-year-old, even my kids, like they love being able to choose something. And I'm like, you know, if I say to them, am I going to carry you upstairs or are you going to walk upstairs? Either way, they're getting upstairs. And right? it's the same thing at meal time. Right. Either way, you, they, uh-huh. she's had a snack that you approve of, but she got to choose which one it was. Yes. And I love what you just said and feel like we should reiterate it for all our listeners that it is not your no. choice how much no. your child eats or if they eat. And I think if we as moms can just let that go, we'll feel so yeah. much more peace at dinner time to know that you fulfilled your responsibility and everything else totally. is totally not your choice. And that can be really stressful for moms too, because they often feel like there's something they're not doing for their kids. If I'm not getting my child to eat, I'm not doing something for them. Um, and I spend a lot of time often with moms reframing that to, it's not that you're not doing something, you're actually, you're empowering them, right? Like you're, you're giving them yeah. freedom to make a choice. And even if they didn't eat, you're respecting them, the choice that they made, right? Which is massive mm-hmm. for kids and massive for their development right. and massive for so many things. Um, but so often as moms, we just instead frame it in, in the negative. And how much how much of a safer environment do they have when they feel like trying something when they know that they don't have to eat it all. They Mm -hmm. don't have to try it again. It's just a really comforting place for them to be able to safely explore food when they do feel ready. And I really love that idea that they don't feel stressed themselves. And I don't think we often think about that. We think about our stress as moms, but how much stress are we putting on our own kids during the meal totally. as well. I mean, for a lot of kids, it's, you know, when they see their mom, like watch, you know, watching the number of bites of broccoli that are happening, there's, there's some serious stress going on there. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. For sure. And I, yeah. Okay. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation and, um, 
feel like I could keep talking for a long time, but I do want to know if my audience takes just one piece of advice from this episode on overcoming mealtime stress, what would that piece of advice be from you? Um, and there's so there, many. There's so. so many. And the one that I always give moms like has nothing to do. Um, I would say nothing to do with nutrition, but really everything to do with nutrition. And it really is just be kind to yourself, right? Like just remembering um, that our kids don't actually care. They don't, they don't, there's no points allocated to us for like the number of hours we spend in the kitchen. Um, our kids are happiest when we have a relaxed, enjoyable mealtime all together, even if that means ordering takeout. Um, and just remembering that, you know, as you were saying before, mealtime is about so much more than just the food that we put on the table. There's so many other health benefits and social benefits and family benefits and all of that. Um, and even speaking as a dietitian, it would be a shame to sacrifice any of that in the pursuit of only an, a home-cooked meal. Um, so that, that's yes. really my number one takeaway that if, if you hear nothing else from this, I hope it's that. <laughs> Thank you. I love that. Okay. And now I just want to give you the chance to tell anyone listening where they can go to hear more from you, what products and services that you have available right now and how they can get their hands on them. Totally. Want them. Um, so I, you can always find me on Instagram. It's as you said, at Ahuva, A-H-U-V-A-R-D. Or you can always find me in my free community of moms on Facebook. It's the Busy Mom's Guide to Feeding Your Family. And I'm in the middle of probably January 13th. I'm actually going to have a free challenge running there. That is going to be a five-day mealtime mindset challenge, which is going to be pretty awesome. Um, And I do have, I'm going to be relaunching the next uh, group coaching program, the Mind Over Mealtime, which is all how to streamline your dinner routine and address some of the mindset changes um, that that we would all benefit from as moms when it comes to mealtime in early February. Thank you. And I will put links to all of the things that she talked about in the show notes. So those of you listening will be able to just click on over and find her. Um, a big thank you, Ahuva. I'm so glad that you could share your knowledge and wisdom with us. And I want to just reiter- reiterate her take-home message to moms that be easy on yourself. You're doing great. Do what you can do. Take small steps toward the future and your family's going to be awesome. So thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed listening to Ahuva and what she had to say as much as I enjoyed speaking with her. Next week on the Plan Prepped and Productive podcast, we're talking about the purposes for food that are not nutrition. At this time of year, uh, there's a lot of great goals out there, goal setting, changes being made, but there's a lot of negativity surrounding food and food choices. So, I just want to jump into some things to think about as you consider how you feed yourself and feed your family and that nutrition is not the only thing to be considering when you're deciding what to put into your body. I am really passionate and excited to talk about this topic and hope you tune in. As always, until next time, happy cooking and happy planning.